So we're just going to dive right into this. And so I think you guys should have sheets. Um, so we have another handout for you. Fill in the blank. We're trying to make this really simple. Um, raise your hand if you don't have one. Oh, that's fine. I kind of told them to wait anyway, so that's on me. Okay, well, um, as those are being handed out, um, so tonight is night two. We're going to be talking about dating and friendship or singleness. And um, and so we're, there's, we have a lot to say, and we're going to try to, you know, get through a lot of it. So we're just going to dive right into it. Um, but before that, just a little bit of perspective. Um, Dating is kind of just weird, I think. I mean, it's fun, we like it, but there's like, there's no formula to dating. And so, um, it's gonna look different for everyone and every staff that has that's married or dating, like their dating relationship looks different. Um, and so, we just wanna help you guys um, have some just gospel-informed principles when, you, when you're dating and how to think through it. And what we're, what we'll be t- what we're talking about tonight is really, influenced by our experience and what we've learned and so um yeah and so i think our hope is that you're we would call you guys to be faithful in your dating um and end in your friendships and so but before we even get into dating we're going to talk about our story um like he said we dating is not a formula but um a name for ours has been called the slow snail um, because we had a really slow process to dating. So I first noticed Lucas um, spring of my freshman year. It was like the first thing I was doing with campus outreach and we were having a game night playing Mafia, of course. Um, I had actually never played Mafia before and so Charlie and Lucas were like coming at me and my friend. Like, they're terrible townspeople. They're not even contributing to the game. Like, oh, Ma. And I was like, I hate all these people. Plus, Lucas had long hair. So, not, not that attractive, <laughs> but he eventually cut his hair, and I kept seeing him around, and so I, I didn't know much about him, because I never interacted with him, but I knew, okay, he's coming to this campus outreach thing, so there's probably some interest in having a relationship with the Lord, and I like that he didn't, like, flaunt himself, and that he didn't, like, flirt a ton with girls, and I like that he was tall and athletic, and that he cut his hair, so my affections were interesting. The first time I noticed Ari was a year later. So she was involved in our ministry and I had no idea who she was, which is kind of bad. Um, but the first time I noticed her was at one of our events and it was a Guitar, a guitar Hero event. Like the weirdest event I noticed her. But she was playing Guitar Hero and she was just killing it. She was like the, the best one up there. And instantly I knew, oh, she's good at Guitar Hero. Because I'm not even good at Guitar Hero, I'm pretty bad. Um, but I, I just, Initially, I noticed her. I thought she was pretty. Uh, she was athletic. She was hanging out with a girl named Erin, um, and she was on staff. And I knew if she was hanging out with Erin, that she'd at least be interested in about Jesus. And so, um, that was just the initial like attraction there a little bit. And there was really nothing much there. Um, but from that point on, it was pretty awkward between both of us um, to the point where like neither of us felt free to interact with one another. And so I'd come into a room. With a, with a bunch of people, and I would interact with every other girl before I would even talk to Ari. Um, I made a lot of awkward eye And so there was just a lack of freedom between us, and it was really weird. Yeah, so, and then we were heading into project that year, so that was our first project together, it was between sophomore and junior year. Little babes. Um, 
And I came into the summer like, I will not be distracted by Lucas. I'm only going to focus on growing in the Lord and felt really ready for that. And so my room was in the two-story and I was standing on the balcony looking at everything happening on the project. And Lucas walked by and was like, hey, I'm really glad that you're here this summer. And I was like, oh, I'm distracted already. So it didn't last very long. Um, and we didn't, again, we didn't feel very free around each other. I didn't feel very free around him. So we, I'd walk by with Aaron, and Aaron was like, hey, Chaka, and he was like, hey, Aaron, and I was like, eh. and I was like, and she's like, really say hello to him. I'm like, I can't, and I can't physically speak when I see him. So we, we struggled to have interactions, but we did go on a group date to Huntington Beach, um, and that was like fun to get to know each other in a smaller context. Um, we had a little bit of interactions, but most of the time it was kind of awkward. Um, and. Then we went, oh, what's going on in there? Anyways, so when we came back from Project, um, we were heading into our junior year, and um, we had the same like group of friends. There's only like eight of us. Um, so we spent a ton of time together. I don't know, at the U of M, the houses, the students who are involved with CO, the houses are like next to each other. So I lived in the girl's house, and he lived in the guy's house. So we got to see each other a lot. A lot of like walks on the beach, I mean, <laughs> walks by the lake, Minnesota Beach, um, with our friends and like throwing the football around. So a ton of interactions in group context, but never really any one-on-one. -on -one. And so I thought, he's never gonna like me. I don't know if he even cares that I exist. Um, and really struggled that year, I think, to wrestle with contentment and wrestle with the Lord and pray that whole, because at that point, it's a year and a half of me liking him and having no idea what he feels. And so I started praying that whole semester God either give him courage to ask me out or like make me stop liking him because it was becoming really distracting. Every event, every talk, everything we went to, I could barely even focus because I'm like, where's Lucas? Is he looking at me? Are we making awkward eye contact? Like all that stuff. Um, and so through that summer and that next semester, um, my, my affections were growing towards Ari. And I think part of the reason was I was getting to know her. I saw the way that she loved Jesus and, and the way that she articulated that. Um, and also, just the way that she was committing herself to her volleyball team and wanting them to know who Jesus was and, and how she would bring teammates to some of our talks and how she would bring them around social events. And so I saw that her heart was bent towards others, and I thought that was really attractive. Um, I remember at this point, like, other guys would tell me, oh, dude, it's so obvious that she likes you. And um, at that point, I mean, just a side note, like, that wasn't super helpful for me to know. Um, and I remember wrestling with the idea of like, do I like her because she might like me or do I like her for who she is? Um, and so it came to a point where, I mean, I had the green light by a lot of guys in my life. And so um, I actually went to the girl that was leading Ari. And this isn't like, you don't have to do this, but I just, I don't, I did it. I asked her uh, what she would think if I asked Ari on a date. Um, so this is the girl that was on staff leading Ari and she told me not to. And I felt devastated. I'm like, oh. <laughs> And in my mind, I'm like thinking, why did she say no? Uh, was something I did was what's going on with her? <laughs> but I didn't ask her. And then like just a couple weeks later, she came back to me and said, you know what? Um, I think you should just ask her out. And like, I don't know if I had that right to tell you that. And so um, then it was on. I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to ask her. <laughs> and so I remember um, this just did not go the way I wanted to. And I wanted to do it in person, and so I went to, I lived in Ontario, I think the U of M people know that, and she lives in A24, so these houses are right next to each other. And she was in the third, third story, and I saw her window, I knew exactly which room was hers, and so I went to the door and knocked to ask if Ari was there, 
And if you know 824, the front door, it's the kitchen. And there were six girls, like about six girls in the kitchen. And so they all probably, I'm like, is Ari here? So they have a pretty good idea like what I'm asking for. And so they have to walk three stories up. They come back down and like, oh, Ari's not there. And so I felt like, oh, my feelings are being exposed and not here. And so she was there. I came back the next day, I knocked, and she still wasn't there. And so then that week, and then the next day, I called her, and she didn't answer. And so I'm like, I can't even get a hold of her. So then she texts me back, like, what do you want? False. I, I had a missed call from him in my ninth class and freaked out and texted my best friend. I was like, oh my gosh, she just happened. This call from Lucas, and he's never called me before. What's happening? Blah, 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 blah. And she was like, why don't you just text him and ask why he called? And I was like, oh, it's brilliant. So that's what I said. I, said, I reworded it like 12 times. I was like, that's too much. That's too little. I was like, why did you call? And so I ended up asking her out at a, one of our cow talks, like our monthly talks, and um, super awkward. Just asked her, hey, I really enjoyed getting to know you. Want to go on a date with me? She said yes, and then we parted ways. <laughs> and so we went on a date, and then we started going on a date every two weeks. Um, and so this might sound really weird to you. I mean, we still think it's kind of weird and not normal, but we went on dates without being official for eight months. One day, yeah. every two weeks for eight months. Eight months, that is not normal. And we didn't know that that was normal until but the martinis did the same thing. So wherever they are, they were dating without being official for eight months too. And that wasn't my plan, but I think looking back on it, it was still really good for us. Um, That's why we call it a snail pace. And it's not what I had in mind either, but I felt really cherished by Lucas in this because he, he communicated from the beginning, like, I want to go on one date every two weeks and until I tell you otherwise. And even though I may have wanted to go on more, I felt more treasured by him that he would set clear expectations and I didn't have to question what was happening. Um, and just remember, this isn't a formula. Like, this is, this is what I thought would be helpful for just my past relationships, like, take it slow. Um, and I, I wanted to ask her to be my girlfriend sooner than that, but project came up and I didn't want to, like, hey, you want to, like, be exclusive and see in two months because she was going to projects. So I ended up waiting and it ended up being eight months. And I was sad because I thought he'd ask me, but it made sense and I was really thankful because he set clear expectations for that too. He said, we're gonna talk on the phone once a week for 45 minutes and he stuck to that 45 minutes very directly. And it, and it was hard because I wanted to talk more and more and more, but over time I was super thankful for it because I'm like, he was protecting our emotional boundary as we were in separate states. And he was thinking for me and he wrote me letters, which was super romantic. Um, so it was, I felt really loved and cherished that he did that, even though I wanted to maybe be exclusive before. Labels are weird. And you wanna show the next part? Oh, I don't know where we're at. Um, once, when you know your story, you don't look at the notes, so I've lost my place. So once we became official, we had more interactions than once every two weeks. We hung out once a week. I'm just kidding, we hung out more than that. Um, I also have a little holding oh story here. Um, so <laughs> once really we were official, like after um, the, we were boyfriend and girlfriend, the next day we were on a date, and, and at that point I'm like, okay, I think I would like to ask her if we'd like to hold hands. So I'm like, hey, can I hold your hand? And she said, well, how do you like to hold hands? You hold, like to hold hands like this? Like, <laughs> super like, weird. Some people hold hands like this. Some people hold hands like this. Some people hold hands like this. What do you want to do? And he's like, I just want to hold your hand. <laughs> Anyway, so 
We dated, um, interacted more than once every two weeks um, for another eight months, and then we had this really hard season that came in April, um, which we don't have time to talk about, but it was really, I think, impactful for our relationship, and I think one of the more significant times in my walk with the Lord as we had to wrestle through some really difficult things. Um, and so, I mean, in that moment, so did you talk about that April month? I didn't say what it was. Okay. Um, so, eight months after you were dating, um, there was more of a, like, a, a kind of a harder moment in our dating relationship where I was questioning my desire for her. Um, and I, I told other guys this, and, and, and so I, I ended up just telling her, like, hey, Ariana, um, like, you probably noticed, um, I'm questioning my, my desire for you, and, and that was probably one of the harder conversations I had, because your girlfriend doesn't want to know, like, that you're questioning your desire for her. And so I ended up telling her because I thought she should know. Um, and when I told her, she was crying and it really sucked. And, and in that moment, though, I told her, like, I still want to, like, date you. Um, and and we'll, I, I would like to give this another two weeks. Um, and I think part of what was going on in my heart is, like, I, wanted, I didn't want to, like, end it at the point with, without really pursuing her and giving, like, giving this a shot. And so... Um, I, uh, so I asked her, would you, like, let's still date for two weeks, and then after two weeks, we'll evaluate where things are at. Um, and he took me to meet his family, which was so confusing. <laughs> yeah, and I think there were a couple things going on in that moment, though. Um, I think there was partly, while we were dating, Ari um, had a hard time, like, opening up and being free, feeling free to, uh, to tell me how she was feeling. And, and also, like, I think there's a lack of me pursuing her. And so during those two weeks, like, I think a lot had changed um, with me getting to know really who she, like, how she was feeling. And she really opened up, up with me about how she was doing. And I think with me, like, wanting to get to know her and having my focus on her, like, it really started to change my affection towards her. And, and it didn't even take, like, two weeks. It was, like, a week and a half to the point where, like, she already knew, um, like I was really excited to continue to get to know her, and so um, yeah. So we that that was that. That was like our we call it like one of the the dark stages. the dark stages of our dating relationship. Um, there's a lot more into that if you want to know. But that summer we were both on our both on summer training project, um, and this is at the point where we were, like I was asking the question, do I want to marry Ariana? And I and I shared this last night a little bit, but. Um, the point where I knew I wanted to marry Ari was when Matt had asked me that question, do you want to give yourself um, to Ariana, Ariana for her joy in Christ? Um, and, it, and at that moment, it was like, yes, I do. Like, I want to give myself for her joy. And I got excited about that. Um, and so, like, at that point, it was like, okay, I think I want to move towards marriage in this. And, like, we were wrestling through a lot of things that summer. And my heart was just bent and... and towards her and to the point where like, okay, I think I wanna, wanna move forward in this. And that was August, so then we got engaged in November. Um, he took me to the same place where he had a conversation with me about potentially not having desire for me. So I was like, I thought it was just a day. I was like, are you serious? You have no other place in the state of Minnesota you can take me besides this terrible place. But the reason he took me there is because it's called Hidden Falls, it's by the river, and there's falls that are hidden. And when we were there the first time, we didn't know that, and he found out, so he's like, used it beautifully of like, there was beauty happening behind the scenes that we didn't even know, and same with our relationship, like God was working. So I, was like, oh. so I just thought it was like a really fun, cause like I wanna redeem this place for you. 
Um, but then he got down on one knee and I was like, oh my gosh, he dropped his glove or maybe he's tying his shoe or maybe something's <laughs> happening. And then he said a bunch of things that I don't remember. And he was like, and I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And he's like, Ari? I was like, right, yes, yes, of course. <laughs> so then he, um, he hugged me and told me that he loved me for the first time. And, and we didn't kiss. And at first I was kind of like, that's not what I was expecting. But he was really clear with me that like, He's like, I don't want you at all to think that I'm not kissing you because you're not attractive. He's like, if anything, it's quite the opposite. I'm not gonna kiss you while we're engaged because I think if I do, I won't be able to do just that. I'll want to do a lot more. And so even though it wasn't what I was thinking or expecting, I think I felt way more loved by him than if he would have just kissed me when he asked me to get married. And again, this isn't a formula. Like, this is our story and it was good. We both needed it. Like, I have an unhealthy past. He has an unhealthy past. So it was like really, really sweet for both of us. So we were engaged for six months, um, longest six months of our life and really hard six months. Um, and then we got married. There's something you need to see in this picture. Everyone look at Charlie. He's right next to me. So this is what community is. He was more excited than anyone else there. Like he loved our marriage. We have about five pictures of the progression of Charlie's excitement. Which is really fun. He really, he loves us we love him. I mean, one thing on engagement, Keep it short, that's our tip. Um, it was, it was. I mean, six months was a good amount, but it could be hard. We have one Here's more picture another picture. So this is Nikki Jill, like she, she uh, took photos. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, like, Ari and I never dated like this before. Um, don't look at that, yeah, we're not gonna get there. But Ari and I never dated like this before. Um, like our previous relationships were really unhealthy, and so this was all new to us, and part of the reason why we even dated like this is because it was, it was like a way for us to, to pursue each other in a healthy way and like a community was in our lives at every step of the moment. Um, and so that was like really foreign to us, but we, we really enjoyed it. I don't think we would have changed much or anything. So that's um, obviously we could share a lot more about our story and we'd love to talk about it, the hard and the good things. So feel free to ask more questions if you want. Um, and we're going to start to transition, but I think the two first things we really want you guys to know since dating is not clear in the Bible, and there's so many healthy ways that I think believers can date. Um, we want to provide for you guys, if anything, biblical perspective and gospel-informed advice. Those are the two things we really hope that you guys can see. And that's what we're using as we've tried to sift through with community how to date well. We want to look at how the Bible talks about relationships, and we want to use what we know about the gospel to inform how we would give you guys advice and how we walk through dating. If you missed it, it's biblical perspectives and gospel-informed advice. Okay, we're going to move into dating. Um, the first thing is why do we date? And we're going to talk a little bit about what culture and how they do dating. So I was, there's a... There's an annual singles in America study, which I just found out about, and it's the nation's largest, most comprehensive annual survey of single people in the United States. It's actually very interesting. There's a ton of weird facts about it, but some of the facts that I thought were interesting um, was just the way that social media has been affecting. So this was reports at the end of 2016 in the annual survey of singles. So. I didn't put the stats up, so I'll just read them, but um, it says online dating has continued to increase in popularity, offering a new way to find romantic partners. 
53% of single people have created a dating profile, and today 40% of singles have dated someone that they met online, while only 25% have actually been on a first date with someone through a friend. 42% of singles judge their date first by their social media posts. 57% of singles say that social media has generated a fear of missing out. 51% say social media has made them feel more self-conscious about their appearance and 48% say that it has made them regret what they did or did not do. Um, so there's something about the way that social media is making dating um, more, like you can get the fish in the pond quickly, or see them, and even with like Tinder and stuff, where you can just breeze through seeing tons of people on there. I think that's just creating a super shallow way of getting to know people. I mean, the first thing you see for, I don't have Tinder, my brother does, but I think all you see is their face, maybe a sentence or two about them, and you're just quickly making a judgment about swiping left or swiping right based off what you see, and I think that just can build in a really shallow heart there. Um, and it's making, like, no, there's no intentions, there's no clarity, there's a lot more in culture of, like, these hangouts instead of, like, intentional dates or these Netflix and chills. Um, I think that just shows, like we talked about yesterday, people want to be known and loved, and so I think the reason this has been increasing a ton um, is because now they can get it quickly. It can be a quick fix to get what that intimacy that we're looking for, and if it doesn't satisfy us, then we can go to somebody else quickly. Um, and I think this isn't just culture. I do think there are ways that Christians as well fall under these categories and use this as, as well. And so um, the next one is Christians. How should Christians be dating? How do we date? Um, and so dating really isn't talked about much in the Bible at all. And so, I mean, you're either married, um, neighbors, or in the body of Christ as brothers and sisters. And so a little talks about being betrothed. And so um, we have, we have our, our idea of what the purpose of dating is this. It'll be up on the screen. So the purpose of dating is to figure out if this person is someone you want to give yourself to in marriage. Um, and so that's what we think the purpose of dating is. You're trying to figure out this is someone you want to, to give yourself to in marriage. Um, and, and even thinking about last night in our talk, um, like being on mission together with someone for the rest of your lives. And so last night we talked about the goal of marriage um, to display the gospel. And so, and if the goal of dating is to move towards marriage, then, then we want you to fight to display the gospel in dating as well. Um, Ephesians 5 1 says, I'm not sure if it's up there. No. So Ephesians 5 1 says, Be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And so in dating, we want um, to imitate God. Um, we want to walk in love and think well through who we're dating and how we're doing it. So, um, yeah. Yep, so we, we want the um, dating to display Jesus. We're going to have seven guiding principles under that. Um, and the first one is compatibility is not essential. And um, I think usually the first thing that people look for in the other is physical attraction and shared interests. Um, and I don't want you guys to throw those out. Like, those are good. Like, I mean, part of the reason I really like Lucas is because he's attractive. I mean, look at him. And he was athletic, and he was fun, and, and I, was, I was looking forward to, if we get to date, to share in those interests together. But I think that this culture is weighing those way more highly than they ought to. And so I want you to know compatibility is not essential. Um, most of those things are going to change. Like physically, you're going to get old and wrinkly. Everybody is in this room. Sorry. And then even interests, 
Like those change. There's things that I loved when I was younger that I don't love today. And even in marriage, there's things I love more because Lucas enjoys them. And so I've been able to share in those with him. So if those things are going to change, I think that just goes to show how it's not essential. There's something else that is. Um, there's a quote by Marshall Siegel. He writes a ton of awesome articles on desiring God about dating. I think it might be on here. Yeah. He says, after all, there has never been a less compatible relationship than a holy God and his sinful bride. And that's the mold we're aiming for in our marriages. So if God, he has perfect love and we don't, but if he loves a sinful bride, the, the wicked beasts that we are, like, and he can make a relationship there, and he didn't base it off compatibility, and so we can too. There, you, there could be the two most incompatible Christians on paper that could have beautiful, healthy marriages because it's centered on this, on Christ and his love for the church. So our next point is um, two key ingredients to look for in another. Um, and so the first one is maturity. And so under maturity, I have three questions. Um, the first one is, are they a Christian? Um, do they love the Lord? Do they love Jesus? Do they walk with him personally? Um, do they articulate the gospel? Do they know the gospel? And I think this is one of the reasons why I really started to like Ari more is because like she knew the gospel, um, and I saw how like she applied it to her own heart, her own life, um, and the way that she um, prioritized her her time with Jesus. And, and I think that was really attractive. And so that's one of the questions. Another one is, um, do they have someone older or some other person? Christian looking and speaking into their life. So do they have community? Do they have someone keeping them accountable? Um, and so Ari was, she was in a D group. She had other girls looking into her life, an older girl and a lot of other girls her age. And so I knew she was taking her walk with the Lord seriously. Um, and the third one is, are they living life on mission? I think this one's an important one too. Um, so are, are they looking to others um, and wanting to share the gospel with others? Um, are they making disciples? Are they leaning out towards others and loving others? How do they think for their family? Um, I think there's a lot of questions you could ask there. And I think, I said this already, but Ari was like sharing the gospel at the U event with her volleyball team. And that's not an easy place to share the gospel. And, and she was doing things with them. She was bringing them to her, um, she had a Bible study, athlete Bible study that she was doing. And so it was like, that was really attractive to me. And I knew that her heart was to make Jesus known. And so I think that's just a really important one. Um, the second one is fun. Um, and so I think, I think having fun with someone is, is an important thing. And so, um, like, do you enjoy them? Um, and I, at this point, like, I found myself really enjoying Ari and wanting to be in her company, uh, wanting to be around her. And I think that's an important thing. Like, do you, you enjoy this person? Are they a friend? Um, and like, at, that point, at this point, like, Ari's my best friend. Like, like I'm married to my best friend. It's fun. And so even when you're thinking about dating someone, I, you don't have to date someone that is just like, oh, this person's really mature, but I don't have fun with them at all, but I probably should date them. Um, <laughs> and like that, that there's, it's kind of funny that it's true, um, and I don't want to do that, but also, that could change, too. Um, Ari and I know friends who started dating, and they didn't really enjoy each other too much, but they, now they really do enjoy each other. Um, and so, but we want both factors. The next point is pursue clarity over intimacy. 
And I think there's two ditches here. Um, one of them is too intimate. And so many of you, probably in this room, including myself, um, have given parts of ourselves, our hearts, to another. Um, and I think this is one of the, the greater dangers in dating. Um, I think just many of us have wounds in this room because of emotional and physical closeness without commitment. To the point like where I was, like with my ex-girlfriend, I was basically married to her in a lot of ways without any commitment. Um, and I forgot to put it up here, but there's this diagram, concentric circles, you think about it. The middle is like, like the closest to your heart, like the, the place where you probably, like a place where it should be for your wife. And you think of an arrow that goes in there, the further it goes into your heart um, without commitment, and if you pull that out, it's just gonna create a wound. It's gonna, it's gonna do things there because I think that's meant for um, marriage, for commitment there. And so the other side, um, just a point on that too though, we're gonna talk more about this later. Um, for those who have gone there, like, like myself, like I want you guys to remember, like Jesus wants the rose. Um, Jesus loves the beast, and that's just a really sweet thing. Um, like, he's redeemed both of our lives in this area, so keep that in mind. Um, the next one is too rigid, so I think that's just another ditch. Um, and so at the point where, like, you're dating and it's like a business interview, um, where you're just wanting to know all these details and facts, and it's really formal, it's really rigid, um, there's no fun and it's just weird. And so we want you guys to be intentional, but also to really enjoy the process to getting to know them. Um, the next thing that we had up there was the evaluation stage versus the unconditional stage. And so the evaluation, evaluation stage is where you're trying, trying to determine if two of you should get married. Um, and this is the clarity you're trying to pursue. And so in this stage, like you're asking questions, and I think this happens over time. It's not just instantly to why you date. Um, you're not committed yet here. Um, you're asking questions like, does this person point me to Christ? Um, does this person love God more than me? Um, are there any major areas of sin that we need to walk through before we move forward? I mean, there's a lot of questions you could ask here. And then the unconditional stage is the point um, where you know you want to commit yourself to marry, like give yourself to this person in marriage. And like kind of the, when Matt asked me that question, I knew, like I would say get engaged ASAP at that point, uh, move towards engagement. And I think like you might be wondering, so how, how do I know if I should marry this person? And I think that's where you bring community in um, and you ask them what they think and you ask a lot of questions. Um, how is your personal walk with the Lord? Um, how is the current health of the relationship? What are, what's been going on in your relationship? Um, what does your community think? And so, and for me, the big question was like, do I get excited about giving myself to her for her joy and being committed to her in that way? And it was yes. Um, and so when Ari and I got engaged, we felt like that was an appropriate time for me to tell her that I loved her. And I think that those words, I love you, um, communicate a lot. And like this isn't black and white, but this is our conviction. And, and so I never told her I loved her until that point, until I knew that I wanted to commit myself to her and, and move towards marriage, because that's what I love you meant to me. Um, and so, um, and this is something I communicated to her at that point. I think just a comment on, like, if the clarity you're pursuing in dating is to determine if you want to marry that person, I think just to note that if inside dating and with bringing community in, if you realize, I don't think I want to marry this person, then you should 
and the relationship. Like, I think protect yours and their heart from getting those arrows in deeper when because of the fear of just breaking up. And I think even the note of, what was helpful for me as I processed this when I was dating Lucas, that I really wanted to marry him, but I thought, if we were to break up does not mean that God's plan went wrong. Like it meant that we were pursuing to see throughout our time of dating whether we're gonna get married and if it ended that just meant we realized that wasn't for us and it's for somebody else. And I think sometimes for me it could feel like, oh a breakup was terrible and now I have to go to plan C because I've messed up two plans already or whatever, but like you're pursuing clarity throughout the relationship and you feel like you're starting to get clarity to make decisions based off that. So the fourth one is communication. Um, to pursue clarity in dating, you will need healthy communication. So I'm gonna talk about um, two ways that I think communication is not healthy. One would be through social media. Um, your guys' generation has grown up with social media being like one of the main sources of communication. I mean, back in our days, it was like AIM, which I don't know if Raise you were your hand if you heard that is. AOL ah, was the best. Nice. <laughs> I'm actually before surprised. Facebook. <laughs> yeah, before Facebook days. Um, and emails with what you would send to each other, which is still ways of social interaction with one another. But um, I think starting a relationship that way can just be, and even how it goes through that relationship can be healthy. So there was a um, five like love experts. I don't even know who they are came together and like made comments on how like 2016 and their dating. And this I thought was really helpful. They said fast, impulsive, sexting, quick hookups, and isolation from real-world dating enables singles to hide out, isolate, avoid, not learning how to date or follow through with dating and love skills for life partners. It taps into singles with social anxiety in positive and negative ways. It does not help singles learn the social skills needed in order to build a long-term secure attachment in real life. So some of the words that really stuck out there was like it's encouraging walking through social media as a means to start a relationship or go through your relationship. It, it helps you to hide and it, it isolates you. It causes you to avoid things. You lack social skills. Um, and I think when you start that a relationship or do a relationship that way, you also miss out on some really crucial things like body language, to be able to see how they're responding or empathy, to know how they actually feel, not just off of emojis or words they send and to be able to practice vulnerability and genuineness with one another. Um, another one is, sorry, it's your job. Um, middle men, middle women. Um, I think most of the time, like 99 out of 100 times, having a middle person is not helpful. Um, let the relationship start, go, and end between the two people. Um, if someone like someone else, like it is not your business to tell that person or anybody else, like that's personal, that's something that they're investing and sharing with you. Um, and I, I feel like it's obvious, but it, it's also not. Like I've been walking through a lot of stuff with students this last year of just middlemen and it's just really not helpful. And some of you in here might really have a desire and maybe a tendency to be that middleman and I would really just like ask your intentions and think about your heart there because there might be something else going on there and it's just, it's not helpful. Even the way we talked about marriage and dating too, but in marriage, the dance, it's like, there's a reason you don't see three people trying to do a ballroom dance together because it'd be really awkward and it wouldn't look like a beautiful dance at all. Like it's meant to be between two people. And I think if you want to step in and have any part of sharing that with somebody else or telling them, um, I think you can really steal the joy of the awkward dance that they're trying to do together. And even the way that the guy did that 
for us was really embarrassing for me when I knew that he had told Lucas. And he was a friend of mine, and so I felt really hurt that he would do that too. And so don't ruin their dance, let them dance together. Um, so on social media and middlemen, speaking to the guys about just even risk taking, um, I think like if, if a lot of you guys are honest, if you were me, um, like I was afraid to ask Ari on a date. Um, like, and to tell her how I was feeling. And so the idea of having a middle person kind of go up there and testing the water, say, hey, go talk to her to see if she likes me. And so that if I do ask her, I know it'll say yes. And there's no risk. Um, I gotta, I gotta think. And then the other side is social media where you're kind of texting her, maybe Facebooking her, um, to kind of getting an idea. Does she like me? Is it a positive response? Um, and I think if you're doing this, you're, I think you're missing out on a really, really sweet thing. Um, one of my favorite things is when a guy asks out a girl and, and he has no idea what she's thinking. Um, and I think when that happens, he's, his intentions are to get to know her. He's not asking her out because she likes him. Um, and that could be a selfish thing, but he's asking her out because he has an interest in her. The focus is on her and getting to know her. Um, and so I just think like, I mean, and just engage your own heart on that and your desires of wanting to kind of maybe soften the blow a little bit by texting or even having a male person. And for the girls, I think um, Anne in her gender talk has said, like, our fear is that we will invite and no one will come, that we won't be seen in love. And so even I think the sinful twist then to respond to that is our desire to take control. And we can take control through manipulation, like sending a middle person in and having them test the waters because we're afraid if I, if I try to make myself um, seen or invite that it won't respond. And I think like there's even ways I manipulated in our relationship um, through Facebook before a lot of other social media things came out. But I knew he really liked some specific basketball players and I cared less about them, but I wanted to talk with him. So I would Facebook message him and then I would use it as a way to talk with him. And that was really manipulative. That was taking from him. I wasn't caring for him because we weren't even dating at that point. We were just friends. Um, or another way I think we can take control as girls is try to make ourselves seen. Um, I knew in the guy girl house how they're designed next to each other that if I walked through and in this one area that I would be able to be seen by Lucas more often than if I went out the other door. And so I went out that door a lot because I wanted to be seen. And, and I think that that's just a way that we're trying to fight to do the story and take control there. And, and there's so many other ways that I did that that I could list, but we don't have time for that. Um, I think a third way is when we try to be part of someone else's story, like we talked about with middle men. Um, and another way is um, the opposite maybe spectrum that we can close ourselves off entirely. And that was part of our story in the eight months is that I think I had fear of um, making myself known and him actually getting to know me and that he wouldn't love me. So then I just started to close my heart and take control of my sense there because the risk of vulnerability was scary. Um, and so I think the risk comes that we, re we have to rest in our identity in Christ, that if we really like a guy and he never asks us out, that we're gonna be okay. And that if he never you know, even notices us, like it took him a year to even know I existed, um, but that we would be all right. And in the process of trusting that God would move him towards you if that's what God wants, um, and I think this just images even the way that, this isn't just for dating, but even the way that our soul waits for the Lord. And Psalm 62, five talks about, for God alone, oh my soul wait in silence, for my hope is from him. 
And so the way that we can fight, as I fought when I liked Lucas for two years, they're like, my hope is in God alone. And this waiting and longing to be with Lucas is just an image, a tiny image, of what my heart is going to do in waiting for the Lord. So our next point is community. Um, and so this is going to be a really consistent thing that you're going to hear this summer. And so you're going to hear it in our marriage talk, in our dating talk, even in our friendship. Um, and so our, our counsel here is to seek out community um, and involve them in all of your dating. I mean all of your dating. Before it starts, the beginning of it, the middle of it, the end of it, even if it does end, to the end of it. Um, and so Proverbs 18.1 says, um, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desires and breaks out against all sound judgment. Um, and so in isolation, we can, like, it's, it's, we break out against all sound judgment. And so, I mean, even, I don't have this up here, but Jeremiah 17.9 says our hearts are deceitful. And so, like, the idea of our heart being deceitful, like, we break out against all sound judgment. And while we're dating, we're bringing someone else into that. Like, that's just a scary thing. And so we need people in our lives. Um, and then there's this thing called infatuation. Um, it's a real thing. And it's an emotional high. So I have a video that is going to kind of, like, show this a little bit more. So raise your hand if you've seen Bambi. This is Bambi. So maybe you're familiar with this. Yes, woman is someone that you can go to that you know they'll just say yes to anything. So 
Um, I had a lot of this on my teammates. I knew, because one, they weren't believers, so I knew I could go to them and be like, hey, do you think I should drive to go see this guy that lives three hours away and spend the night with him or something? And they'd be like, oh, yeah, totally. You know, Just dumb things like that, that would be what a yes man is. Um, and I think there's also a note I want to make. I read a really good article um, called The Dark Side of Small Groups um, by Greg Morris. He wrote a lot of the other ones we've been mentioning. But um, he, I mean, he actually doesn't really write the article. He copies and pastes an entire thing from screw tape letters and calls it his article. But anyways, it talks in there about even within small groups or D groups or can, like accountability groups, how we don't speak into one another's lives because there's two, two ways or two points in it. One, that we're afraid of being a hypocrite. Like, how can I tell her not to be anxious or tell her or him not to struggle with lust when I myself do this? And so we don't actually love them enough to speak in and be like, hey, even though I suck at this too, like, we need to fight this. And on the other side of, if we were to give direct specific ways to help them fight sin and stay away from um, unhealthy things, that we would come off legalistic. And so on both of those ways, that we now are softening and even having a dark side of small groups and accountability groups that just become this nodding along, like comforting yes group to each other. Um, so the difference between that and a loving community is having a friend, like Erin, I knew if I were to ask her something, I knew what she would say and I didn't want to go to her, but like if I was like, hey, is it cool if I like hung out with this guy that wouldn't be super helpful, I know she'd be like, no, Ari, that's dumb. And I'd be like, okay. But, and I knew she loved me. And though there was times I was afraid to ask her because she'd say that, like she loved me because she loved me enough to say the hard things, even if that made me not like her very much in the moment. And I think that's what we have to die to, is love our friend enough that they might not like us in that moment, or that they might be mad at us in that moment. But if we are just yes men or yes women to each other, like that's really selfish. That's us protecting our image more than caring for their hearts. Like is their eternity not worth a moment that they might be upset with us. Um, so we really need godly people to be looking into our lives. We can't trust ourselves like some of the verses that Luke has showed. Um, someone who will count your needs more significant even if it means that it's hard. And I would say like bring this in, have more than one person of the same gender that is your closest community for that. Um, I think one-on-one -on -one monogamous relationships can be dangerous. Um, and then I also highly encourage to have an older person. Like, it was so helpful for me to have people speaking into my life, because she was older. She'd walked with the Lord longer. She's gone through things in life longer. Um, and if, if you're like, this sounds really good, and I really want community, but I don't have this, like, pray for it. And even maybe ask some people here. There are people here that you go to school with. A few of you, I think, might go to school by yourself. In here, but um, it's like you can start building and fighting to look for that community now. And I would highly, we would both highly encourage that even before impurity in a relationship, but looking for ways to find that community. Um, and I think also how community plays into dating the difference between um, asking for advice before you do something and seeking counsel after you do something. So, if we're sinful, and so. Things will happen that I would have to go tell Erin about afterwards, like Lucas and I were dumb and we shouldn't have done this, um, and she would walk through with me and um, pray with me. But that a lot of it, what we wanted to fight for was that I would go to Aaron first and he would go to his community first and I would ask advice, like, hey, do you think it'd be too much for me to share this with Lucas at where we're at in our relationship? So we encourage highly to ask for advice in advance versus seeking out counsel afterwards. So the sixth point is purity. 
Um, so, 1 Timothy 5, 1 through 2, I think it's up there. Um, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. And so, um, like in dating, like you're not married, and so I think we're called to relate to each other as brothers and sisters in all purity. Um, and I just think this is helpful to think through just even dating relationships. And um, just a, a note, note on this, like I think if, if you're in a relationship, um, and like especially if you're a girl and you're dating a guy um, who is in it just for the physical aspects um, and, it, and it's taking from you and it's not being pure with you, like, I don't think you should date that guy anymore. Um, that's not honoring you. That's not relating to you in a, in a brotherly way. Um, and so another common question that, that we hear a lot is how far is too far? Um, 1 Corinthians 6, 18, it, it's up there. It just says, I mean, it's longer than this, but the part that matters is flee sexual immorality. Um, and so I think, I mean, just flee, it means get away from it. I think that question about how far is too far is like how close, what can I get from her? Um, and I don't think it's focused on like honoring her and caring for, for her. And so, I mean, what if the question was, um, how could you honor one another in God, um, God's call for your life? And, and doing that in purity. Um, and so, and, and just another point on this. Um, I think a lot of times people might be thinking, I thought this before, before I got to college, like as long as I don't have sex. Um, as if like sex is the only thing that makes it not pure. Um, I mean, there's so many things that are not healthy for you to be doing in a dating relationship. And I think part of that's why you need to have community there. Um, and like even just, not just physically, but I think even like how you talk to each other, the language that you're using with one another um, in, in like an idea of purity. Um, another question is, what about kissing? Um, like, just remember, there's no like definite answer here. This is Ari's and my opinion, and this is our experience. Um, and, and I think it looks different for different situations. Um, but I would say if you can avoid it, avoid it. Um, wait as long as you can to kiss. I think kissing is like a gateway drug. Um, it leads to a lot of other things. And so I knew for me that if I were to kiss Ari, it would be really difficult. And so that's why we waited till I got married. I would have never thought that. I would have thought that's weird. Like what? Why would we wait till we're married? Um, but like we don't regret it. Like I love that we did that. And people that, and I would say at least, like our conviction is at least um, wait till you're engaged. Um, that's that's our opinion. If you, I mean, we'd love to talk to you more about that. Why we think that. Um, and everyone that I've asked, I've never heard anyone say, man, I regret because I regret that we didn't kiss earlier. Um, like, we don't regret it. I've never heard anyone say that. Um, and so part of thinking about purity um, is, like, I think this is, like, our aim here is that I think this is going to be better for you, um, like, waiting for a lot of these things until you're, mating, uh, until you're married is going to be good for you. And so even what uh, the clip that, Reed showed a couple weeks ago about Bilbo Baggins and Gandalf. I was going to try to quote it, but I don't have a really good Gandalf voice. I don't think Reed does either. So. Um, but he said, uh, Bilbo Baggins, do not take me for some conjurer of cheap tricks. I'm not trying to rob you. I'm trying to help you. And so the same idea there. Like we, we think this is better for you guys. And so 
Um, in, in dating, like I think boundaries are helpful. They're there to protect you. Um, and so when, when you're dating someone, like there's a, Ari's going to talk about this in a little bit, but there's an emotional, spiritual, physical side. And when you're growing together in intimacy and these, like, and emotional is going forward and spiritual is going forward, like physical is going to want to go um, and it's going to want to move quickly. And I think just having expectations and, and boundaries there is going to be helpful. And so even though Ari and I didn't kiss, we still had a hard time specifically in engagement where we had to set rules about like, okay, what, what's this going to look like? We, so we, we couldn't watch movies alone. Like that wasn't going to be helpful for us. Um, we try to do things in public. Um, when we were alone in private, it just that's when things would escalate. Um, and it was, wasn't helpful, and so we're, we try to be around people, um, and, and even like hanging out past, like nothing good happens past 12 or even 11, and so we just try not to be together that often during those times if we were alone. Um, and then the last thing I was gonna say under purity is the spectrum of shame and pride. And so I'd mentioned this last night, but like, like a lot of you, and even the first time I was in one of these talks, um, I heard the, the part on purity, and I felt like, oh crap. Like, I just felt a lot of shame. Like, I had a lot of stuff in my past, and there's a lot of things that I've done with, with my ex-girlfriend, things I've looked at, um, and just a lot of guilt there. And um, and I just want you guys to hear, like, like Jesus wants the rose. Jesus wants the beast. And, and, like, his mercy runs deeper. Like, the gospel is really, really sweet. And if you haven't really brought anyone into that, I'd really encourage you to. Um, like, this community is really loving, and they're going to show the face of Christ. And so, um, I would, I remember sharing things. Like, I remember even my first project, there's stuff I did the night with my ex-girlfriend the night before I even came down. And I remember sharing that with even, like, Reed. I think Reed was my team leader. And it was just really helpful for me to, to bring that out. And the other side of the spectrum is pride. And so this is, some of you might be thinking, well, I've been pure, I've never had sex, or I've never looked at pornography. Um, and there's this sense of like, I'm better than this person, or I would never marry someone who has. Um, and I just think, if, if that's what you're feeling, I don't know if you have a good idea of what the gospel is. Um, Jesus came to save the sinners. Like you're a sinner and your heart is just as broken. And I remember my first year on staff, I, I met a guy um, and he, he was bringing me into his relationship, and he had just become a Christian, and he had a very sexual past, um, and, and he felt grace and forgiven and mercy over it and felt redeemed and, and like peace about it, but then he was in this relationship, and the girl kept bringing, like, I wouldn't recommend this. He shared all this stuff with her girl, his girlfriend at this point before they were engaged, but while they were dating, like, she kept bringing up things about her past, about his past, and kind of holding it over him, like, I can't believe you did that. Um, and I just think, I was just angry. Like, there is a huge element of the gospel she doesn't understand. Like, she, she's not seeing what Christ has done for him. And, and as if, like, like, what he did, like, can't be forgiven. Um, and I, I told him, hey, man, I don't know if you should be dating her. Um, like there's a, an aspect about the gospel she doesn't know, and like if she if she can't um, extend the gospel to someone else, maybe she she doesn't even know it herself. And so if, if like I just think that's so essential um, to like even the aspect of, of of purity. And so that applies the gospel is needed for both sides. 
Uh, we're gonna try to fly through some of this stuff. Yeah, really it took cool. a lot longer. Um, pacing, um, pacing is very important when it comes to dating. I think Lucas painted a really beautiful picture for me in how the Lord pursues me by the way that he thought for us and communicated with us. Like, he, always, he had a plan, he wasn't just winging it, um, and he communicated what was necessary for me to know throughout the plan. So I never had to question, like, where are we going, what's going on, do you like me, do you not? Like, there was no gray. Um, and I think that just really images the Lord, and like, God has a perfect plan for our hearts and our lives, and we don't know all of it. He kind of only shows part of it to us while we're going. Um, and, but he's also written out his intentions in his word, and he's making himself known to us. So I was really thankful for the pacing and communication Lucas gave. And I think the danger of not having healthy pacing um, is that you will be married before you're actually married. And so I think if someone were to look at, for those of you that are in a relationship, if someone were to look into your relationship, do you think they'd be able to tell a difference between somebody who is married versus your relationship? I think that could just be a good test to see um, and some of you may think that I'm mainly speaking physically here, but like Lucas said, purity is much more than just physical. It's a lot about thoughts, and it includes other points which we're going to get to, um, like emotional and spiritual. Um, at the, and the emotional one was really hard for me. I think most of my unhealthy relationships in the past, um, I wanted to dive emotionally in as if we were married. Um, and, and I was really thankful that Lucas paced that for us, even only letting us talk on the phone for 45 minutes and guarding my heart emotionally. So there's three things we want you guys to think through for pacing um, in the areas of emotional, physical, and spiritual. So for us, one of the emotional things was the I love you, like Lucas didn't say he loved me until he brought the commitment with it, and that helped protect my heart, and I mean like the 45 minute phone calls and just things like that. Um, physical, you heard the awkward hand holding stage. Um, but we held hands and hugs throughout our dating, and we didn't kiss until we got married. And that doesn't at all mean that we were pure. Like, we, you can do a lot of unhealthy things without kissing. And we struggled a lot in engagement. But, um, and then spiritually pacing, like, what praying together looks like, or sharing deep spiritual things together. And um, I think one thing that is, interestingly, I've been walking a lot with, especially at students at Bethel, so I don't know how it might be on other campuses, but just how blurry it is to figure out like if he, my friend, or my, even my boyfriend, is a believer and a brother, like then I should be able to share all these spiritual things with him so that he can pray for me. And it's just not that separate. These three are so interconnected. If you are sharing deep spiritual things of your heart, you're also sharing your heart. You're sharing emotions. And if those two are increasing, physical wants to increase. And so I think the deep spiritual things should really be with your um, gender-specific community, those few people that are really looking in, and it just paced through those ones well. So I'm gonna zoom to this point. Um, on pacing, like I don't, I don't, if you don't see marriage in the near future, I don't know if you should be dating. Um, and like I said, this, this isn't black or white. Um, I know friends who've dated for six years and they had to reset their pace and they had to take things back and re like check in on things. But like, I just think it's a good idea to think through. If you don't really see uh, marriage in the distant future, maybe dating can wait. Um, and so, moving on, we're going to talk about friendships. And so, um, I think this also could be titled singleness, but we wanted the emphasis to be on building friendships rather than being single. Um, and I just really appreciate Jake giving his testimony last night. I think it takes a lot of vulnerability to open up and talk about what just happened in this last semester. Um, and he had mentioned like the advice that he got from his married friend um, 
like, well, you should be content in God alone. And I, I mean, I, I think that, like, that can just be not the best advice for someone who's single. Um, and, and so I think that might be true, but, like, it's not acknowledging the hurts that someone might have for desiring a good thing. Like, I don't, some of you might need to hear this. Like, your desire to be married is a really good desire. Um, and so, but like all desires, they must be placed where they belong. And we talked about that last night. Like, we need Jesus more than we need a spouse. But the desire to be married is still a really good thing. We're going to say a few things about friendship, then we'll get to practicals. So the first one is that friendship with the op- friendships with the opposite sex are good. Um, it is good to interact. We want you guys to interact. Um, you can learn a lot from one another. You can see, like Anna Norma had talked about, you don't have to be married to portray that beautiful side that God has specifically given you to one another. Um, and even thinking about the rest of your life, you're going to be interacting in jobs with people of the opposite sex. You're going to be in the world with people of the opposite sex. And so you can learn a lot from each other and interacting with each other on how to care for people of opposite sex. And even specifically within the body of Christ, like remembering you don't need to be married in this. And there are a lot of scriptures in the Bible that talk about how the community interacts together. And even, I mean, Galatians 3:28 talks about there is neither Jew nor Greek nor slave, nor free. There is no male or female. Few are all one in Christ. And that's not saying that Jew and Greek don't exist and that male and female don't exist anymore. It's saying that your differences are coming together and you're painting the image of being one inside of Christ. And I think that's really exciting. It makes me excited to want to interact and see more of who God is from the other gender. Um, and the body is made of both members. We need more than just one side. And so I think scripturally you can look through a lot of sweet things the Bible talks about in the community and apply that to what, what does it look like as friends to interact as a body. And the second one is that friendships of the opposite sex are dangerous. Um, until you're married, every one of the opposite sex is an option. Like even if you're dating somebody right now, you don't know what's going to come. You don't know what God has planned. So until you get married, every one of the opposite sex is an option. And, and there's something, because God has created this dance, there is something different that you get from interacting with the opposite sex. Like if I was talking with the girl versus talking with the guy, and I don't think that's bad in and of itself. I think that's part of how God created the dance. But I think what we need to do is just be careful of our hearts because our sin is way more deceptive than we know it to be. And so we can be super manipulative um, in ways that we might not even know, which is why community is helpful. And which is why I don't think it's just as easy for some of you in in here might feel like, well, I just get along with the opposite gender more than I do with mine. And I just think it's not that easy because... I think God has designed there to be a different kind of interaction with them than with people of your own gender. And so I think there might be some kind of insecurities behind that and would love to talk more about that um, afterwards. So the next point we have is friendships of the opposite sex are fleeting. And so like when Ari and I got married, our friendships with the opposite sex just looked different. Um, and where the, the friends that I did have that are of the opposite sex are her friends too. Um, and so like, I won't be texting, calling, or, or hanging out with a girl, girl other than my wife now. Like, that just, it's appropriate. Um, and this is the way to honor one another and to live above reproach because our hearts are deceitful. Like, we don't even want to go there. Um, and so that's just like they're, like, moving into marriage, they're not going to last. 
So if marriage has a mission of portraying Christ in the church, and if dating has a mission of dis displaying Jesus to one another as you pursue marriage, then even friendship, like what would our friendship mission be? Um, and we want you guys to see that God could be calling you to a mission in friendship right now, in maybe being single and not having a relationship. Um, and I think this is true for any season. So whether you're single, dating, engaged, married, a mom or a dad, like, there is missions that God calls us to in each of those stages. And I think the discontentment that comes in there is a heart thing. It's not a circumstance thing. And I've seen this even in the ways like, I wanted to date Lucas for two years. And then I wanted to date faster than once every two weeks. And then I wanted to hold hands. And then I wanted to kiss. And then I wanted to get engaged. And then I want to get married. And now, like, we want to have kids. And none of those desires are bad in and of themselves. But the discontentment of my heart that, like, am I missing the mission God's calling me to in this season if I'm constantly looking forward to the next season to come? And so we've been trying to get pregnant for a year, and there's been a lot of hardship in that, which we could talk about another time. But even in that, it's like, what if God has us not getting pregnant right now because there's more mission at Bethel that he's calling us to? And that's just been really helpful for me to think through. And so, um, Greg, the guy that wrote Marriage is Not the Mission, has a... Uh a quote that I want to talk about. So, so he said, um, contentment didn't come by me by merely clenching my fist, closing my eyes, and whispering, Jesus is enough, Jesus is enough. Instead of sitting around trying to talk myself out of loneliness, I got up and went on mission. I grabbed lunch with non-believers, pursued time with Christian brothers, grew in knowledge of his word, and discipled men on campus. Um, and so he's saying what helped him more than anything and his singleness was to be on mission. Um, and I think this is what we're made for. Like, we're made to love Christ and to love our neighbors, to make him known. And so, like, like we're going to talk more about this later this summer, but, like, grab lunch with non-believing classmates. Um, spend time with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, dive into your Bible. Disciple and raise up men and women. Use this season of your life to be on mission. And so just like every other point, like, our hope is that you display Jesus in your friendships. So we're going to, I'll let you write that, displaying Jesus in your friendships is our mission. Um, we're going to do three friendship practicals, and we'll be done at Yeah, we're almost done. <laughs> it's funny, when we walk through this, it's like completely different than when we actually do it. Um, so the first one is communicate in line with your mission. So two things that I think will really help in evaluating and even thinking through your own intentions would be first to think, like be really honest with yourself. What is your intention? with that person that you're thinking about interacting with? Like, do you really want to be friends with that person? Or are you liking the attention that they're giving you? Like, or are you interacting with them because this off-limits feeling feels really good? Or this chasing game of manipulation feels really good? And I think clarifying your intentions in your own heart, like, do I really want to care for him as a brother in Christ? Or am I chasing something that he can't give me and manipulating him in ways? Um, and then through that, think through once you've been honest with your intentions what your mission is with them like are you on mission you know to be serving the church together are you working on a project together are you on campus together sharing the gospel and and as you clarify both your intentions bring in community to walk through your intentions because our hearts are deceptive um, or deceiving whatever the word is and you think about your mission then I think that will just help give clarity about how to interact with them in line of both of those things like I think if I would have thought about Lucas when we were dating actually before we were dating even that like my mission with him is that we're both at the U we both want people at the U to know Jesus 
So he's my brother and we're gonna go run and our mission is to be on campus together. I would have interacted with him so much more healthily, I, I think, and would have cared for him so much better. Instead, my mission was I want him to know me, I want him to see me, and I want him to ask me out. And he is not our mission, Jesus is. So I think being honest about your intentions there. So there's three things about what healthy communication and interactions could look like. Um, we don't have them up there, but I'll go through them quick. One is bring in godly friends into your texting or social media conversations. Some of you may have really not liked that I just said that. But, I mean, really think about your heart. Like, why would you want to keep things hidden? What's going on there? If you're afraid to show your phone to someone else and see, look at what I've been snapping with him or her. Look at what I've been texting with him or her. And just the, the part of the deception of our heart is that we want to hide. And so remembering God calls us to live in the light because in the light, his blood will cover all of our unrighteousness. And texting is basically today's version of going into a private room and having a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And that's just not helpful for e either end of the people. So I think fight to bring in godly people in your conversations. And the same would be even not just texting and social media conversations, but one-on-one -on -one private conversations that you may have with the opposite sex. As a friend, to just be open and share that with godly people around you. Don't have secret conversations that you're afraid to share. Um, because I think that's where darkness can happen and where the manipulation of our hearts can really affect each other. Um, and the third one would be bringing godly community on what to or what not to share with the opposite gender. And this is hard. I had to talk a lot about this with Aaron of like, is this helpful for me to share with Lucas? Is this not? And so just asking in advance for advice on what may or may not be helpful for their part and even counting his needs more significant than my own. So the next point that we have up is um, develop strong friendships within your gender. Um, I think this is one way God shows us more of um, how he loves us and knows us um, is through his people. I think good friendships um, like that are needed in life. Like we're, we're called to have community. For me to have brothers, already have, sis already to have sisters in her life. And I think um, my guy friendships have helped me prepare for more marriage more than anything. Um, and Ari probably would say the same for her, too. Um, not because they were super easy or comfortable, um, but because a lot of the hardships that we went through and the depths that we developed there. And um, I think a lot of you know, Char I mean, everyone knows Charlie, but Charlie and I were in the same D group. We lived together for, uh, for almost four years. Um, and this is really when I learned how to think for someone else, how to confess sin to, to, to another, and how to forgive one another and say, hey man, I'm sorry, or hey, I forgive you. Um, and we, I mean, in college we got a lot of fights, and we still kind of do, and so, like, that just helped prepare me a lot for marriage, because in, like, we talked about it, marriage is disappointing, and we're sinful, we're going to fight. And so learning how to do that with Charlie and, and Alex, my other friend, helped develop me um, how to think for someone's heart, how to express my own heart to someone. Um, and, and it really built a lot of depth there. And so, like, and, I, and, and in a way, that's the, um, God showing how he knows me and loves me through people, um, through friendships within your own gender. Yeah, there is nothing that has helped me, I think, more connect my head, what I know about God, and my heart, and what it feels like than to practice the gospel in friendship. To actually have to forgive someone when I don't feel like they deserve it. To actually say sorry and die to myself when I'm wrong. So that, that's why we love friendships. We love sweet, deep friendships of the same gender. Because you can really experience and understand the gospel more. 
Um, the next one is love your brother slash sister in Christ. John 13, 34 through 35 says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so we have a really sweet, unique call that we get to show the love of Christ to the rest of the world in the ways that we care for one another. Um, this is one reason we really like group dates. We love that you guys get the opportunity to interact with each other as the body of Christ, to know each other, to get to experience the other side of things that you may not within the same gender friendships. Um, and our desire is for all of you to relate to one another in love with no strings attached. So uh, just imagine what it would be like for you to ask that other person that maybe you've been noticing a project so far all summer, how their day went because you just genuinely care about how their day went, not because you want them to notice you, not because you want them to see you, um, but to really count their needs more significant. Or what would it look like for you guys to interact with each other, even at Walmart, and the way that you healthily care and love and serve one another would paint an image to everybody else at Walmart on what it looks like for Christ to love his people um, and to welcome each other into that. And just speaking to the guys for a little bit here, I think this is one of the reasons why we have the policy. It's like if, if a girl needs to go somewhere after dark, like we ask, you to be with two other girls with a guy, and, and this is one way we can serve the girls and, and care, care for our sisters. I mean, Zach was just telling me that there were like six shootings this last couple days around Myrtle, and so I think it's it's taking initiation and, and thinking for your sisters and, and wanting to, to care for them in that way. I mean, I never saw this um, in high school at all until I got to college, um, and I remember when, when uh, the girls needed to move like a lot of the older guys that were kind of pouring into me, like dropped anything they had just to help the sisters, their sisters in Christ move their stuff. Um, and they, were, they had a servant heart was like struggling their driveway, um, moving their stuff. And I think like there's a lot of ways that you can do this. Um, or even a project, if a girl has a lot of trash and is carrying the trash, like, hey, can I carry that for you? Um, I think you can do that in a way that is thinking for your sister without really, like, it doesn't need to communicate, oh, I like her. Um, and even, like, at Walmart or if you see some guys around trying to interact with the girls and it's not really healthy and it's kind of weird and they're, they're maybe flirting there. And maybe, maybe that means you going into that conversation and, and being there and, and thinking for her and trying to care for her if there's a sketchy guy trying to talk to a girl here. Um, I think that that takes initiation and kind of a, a brotherly love, as if you would care for a sister. Um, and I already talked about group dates. We love group dates. We want you guys to interact more. We love guy-girl interaction. And so... Um, yeah, and girls, I think the invitational part of who God is that we portray is just to welcome and encourage and affirm their leadership in the ways that they serve us. Uh, I remember my first conference, guys were asking if they could help carry my luggage in, and I was like, I'm fully capable of carrying my own bag, no thank you. But that, like, that was really sad because I squashed an opportunity for them to care for me and serve me. And so welcome that, be excited about that, and really affirm them. There are some awesome guys down here this summer who are really thinking for you girls really well, and even in the ways of like group dates specifically and caring and serving you guys. And I think we could do a better job of affirming them and not taking it for granted, of thanking them, of letting them, even if you can carry your groceries better than they could, to let them if they ask to help. 
Um, and if they ask to help take your trash out, which I don't know if they will, but if they do, to gladly let them, um, which might not be too hard to trash. But I think we can just affirm them a lot more and the servant heart and the way that they're thinking for us. Um, so that's all we have. Um, I know we probably stirred the pot a lot more than giving a lot of clarity for you guys, but um, and, and I feel okay about that because I want you guys to wrestle through and really think within community, what is it like to walk healthily in friendships and dating and maybe into marriage that's both biblical and gospel-centered um, perspectives as you think through that stuff. So we have a lot more we would love to share about our story and other things, and we're going to have a little Q&A time right now. Before we go into that, let me pray for us quick. Um, Father, um, we thank you for everything that you've done for us and that um, you fully know us the depths of our heart, and yet you still chose to love us through your son. Um, and that's the, the most filling thing. That's what we need. Our greatest need is redemption, and we have it in you. And so I just pray that um, everything that Ari and I said would be a way to glorify you. And if things were helpful, I pray that, that uh, everyone in here would be able to remember them. If they weren't helpful, that they wouldn't remember them. Um, and that you would be... Um, glorified in a way that these guys and girls pursue friendships and relationships and then be thinking for the other and, and counting each other more significant than themselves. Um, and so we need you in this. So in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.